This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Aw, <laughs> babe, just a few. <laughs> All right, I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. <laughs> the smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks. Only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. On Tuesday, November 27th, join the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, James Naveau and me, Jay Zawoski, at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood for our Puck Cancer fundraiser and watch party as the Blackhawks take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Tickets are $10, and all proceeds go to the family of Meredith Garcia. Meredith lost her battle with cancer in May, and her family needs our help. Every ticket is an entry into our grand prize raffle, which includes Blackhawks tickets and a signed jersey. Go to madhousepod.com events to purchase tickets. That's madhousepod.com events. We'll see you at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood on November 27th. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and by... Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. And with me, strangely enough, he's in here in person. It's weird. Is the Homewood's pride and joy? Jay Zawoski made the trip all the way to Bourbon A, Illinois today. I to did come and hang out, watch some Blackhawks, and talk some hockey. Jay, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Thanks for the invite. I had nothing else going on tonight, so I'm like, hell yeah, I'll come down and have the world's best B Dubs and hang out with James and see his apartment for the first time. And I have to tell you, people, it's November twelfth. The Nouveau Christmas tree is up. <laughs> I see one, two Christmas trees. Your front door had a wreath on it, and you had a uh, Christmas welcome mat. Yep. Uh, the holiday spirit is alive and well here November 12th in Bourbon A. To be fair, there is snow on the ground outside. <laughs> yes, sir. So is. it actually seems like fairly appropriate to have that stuff up already. I guess so. The weather has, has brought Christmas before we are ready. When I take my daughter shopping... Uh, she gets like really mad because of Christmas stuff already. Ugh. It's not even Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm like, nice spirit, Addie. That's really great. When did she get so jaded? <laughs> She's like nine. <laughs> I don't know. I love Christmas. Like when, as soon as Halloween's over, bring it. Like that. That's my philosophy. But anyway, mm-hmm. we have uh, some bad stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, we're just delaying what we don't want to do. Uh, we w- would typically do a post game show, but we're going to give you the whole schmear tonight. Uh, but let's recap. Uh, this is Monday. Let's recap Monday's loss to the Hurricanes. Then we'll do some bigger picture stuff. So the Hur- the Hawks lose 3-2 in Carolina in overtime. Sebastian Ajo with the game winner over the sprawling Brent Seabrook. We'll get to that. Yes, we will. For sure. Uh, the Hawks blow a 2-0 lead. And much. this has been the story for most of the games of the Cowleton era, all three of them, four of them, three of three them. Three of them now, yeah. That the Hawks played better than the final score said, mm-hmm. but guess what? At the end of the day, the standings don't count moral victories, and the Hawks have one point in the Jeremy Cowlton area era, and it's not good. It's not off to a good start here, and it it needs to get better because my fear is if 
they don't start seeing some results, you're going to get some people on the team that aren't going to buy in anymore. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's happening, but look, you replace a legend, which is a tough enough situation to be in. You introduce, you implement your new system. You're rolling it out kind of slowly here. Um, but nonetheless, you're rolling it out and you're getting no results in the win column every day that goes by where you don't get those points. I think a little bit of doubt starts to trickle in, not just with the fan base, not just with the media, but with the players too. Well, I mean, they had already lost five games in a row when they got rid of Quenville in the first place, man. I mean, we talked about what's a fair amount of time to give Colladin to kind of get settled in and to get his system implemented a little bit. Obviously not going to see a whole lot of wholesale changes in the middle of a hockey season, but at the same time, you still want to see something. And I think we saw – like flashes of it tonight where the Blackhawks would kind of simplify things, play a little bit more of a north-south game instead of just moving the puck around the zone, kind of willy-nilly like they were doing towards the end of the Quinville era. And they scored a couple goals tonight. They had some good moments, had a two-goal lead in the game. They just couldn't finish, and I think that's obviously been a big concern with this team, mainly because of how bad they've been defensively. They haven't been able to hold on to leads. They haven't been able to finish games off, and then they make a lot of careless mistakes. They make a lot of bad defensive decisions, and that's just that's a continuation. That was happening before Colladin got here, not blaming it on him, but like you said, you wanted to see a little bit of a spark out of this team, especially with how much they were talking about, oh, the expectation is still we're going to make the playoffs this year, and we had to make this change in order to kind of get things going. I haven't seen that spark yet. No, and you're right, but like today, the first 40 minutes – I had a lot of problems being critical. Like, yeah, they went into the third period tied at two, but you give up two power play goals, which, okay, those happen, right? Yep. The Hawks get no power plays of their own, which is strange, but sometimes that happens as well. Then in the third period, it felt like the Hawks never had the puck. It felt like Carolina had the puck the entire period. They started dominating the play, and it felt like a matter of time until they won the game. Then you get to overtime, and Sebastian Ajo doesn't do anything complicated. He just kind of skates towards Brent Seabrook. He just kind of held the puck and well, moved. Yeah, and Seabrook's defense is to fall down trying to sprawl, and then the most embarrassing part is Ajo just goes around him because here's <laughs> this defenseman laying on the ground, and then Seabrook tries to like jump further yeah. on the ice, and Ajo scores. It's like the, the problem is the guys that are letting this team down right now are the vets. It's Keith. And Anisimov on that play in Philly. Yep. It's Brent Seabrook tonight. You're seeing a lot of bad turnovers from good players. Nick Schmaltz is a guy we talked about coming into the season as a hugely important part of this puzzle. He got a breakaway, so he was forced to shoot. <laughs> but there were three or four other chances during today's game where he had a perfect opportunity to put a shot on net and just opted not to. Yeah. Just, nah, I'm good. I mean, heck, Jonathan Taves even had that passive attitude tonight on the two-on-one with Patrick Kane. Like, I know, I know they've made that play work so many times. The playoff game against the Kings, they had the one-timer goal to finish it off. Like, I get it. But Taves had an open skating and shooting lane on that play. Sometimes you just got to do it, man. Sometimes you can't, like, just try to get too cute with it. You just got to... You know, go for the gusto and go for the shot. And I know that Scott Darling made a stupidly good save on that play. It was a hell of a save. But There's no the, question. Obviously, like, all it took was that millisecond of hesitation on the part of Kane to collect the puck, and that's all it took for Darling to get across the crease. Jonathan Taves shoots that puck. You don't have to worry about that. You can pick your spot because that defender was off him. He was on Patrick Kane. Taves had Darling one-on-one -on -one and chose instead to let Kane do it. And I'm not saying that was necessarily an awful decision, but it's just it's like a pattern with them. Like they try to go for the more complicated thing even when simplicity was working for them in this game. I'm glad you said in this game because what you're describing is is a trend that this team has had for a long time. And that's why under Q, the power play never seemed to have success because, okay, they've got all this talent, but they're trying to be the Globetrotters on ice every game. Keep it simple. And that's what the Hawks were doing for 40 minutes. For the most part, very north and, north and south, moving the puck efficiently and safely up to the next option, right? Like everything they were doing made perfect sense. It didn't have the feel of this fire drill that we saw a lot in the game against Philly and before that. 
It seemed much more calm, much more under control tonight. And then all of a sudden, they just lose it in the third period. I know confidence plays a role. You and I talk about this all the time. While we're both believers in analytics, we're also both huge believers in, in the human spirit. And confidence is definitely a real thing. And I think that's part of what you're seeing with this team. It's part of why Nick Schmaltz isn't shooting. I've got two goals. I can't score. I'm snake bitten. I'm not going to score. So I'm going to have a wide open shot in the slot, and I'm just going to pass it into the corner yep. where Patrick Kane is standing with two defenders around him. Oh, yeah. I, I remember we pointed that play out tonight yeah. when they were just passing to Kane, and he's like double covered. It's like, no, man. Make your own luck. Get to the freaking net. Shoot the puck. That's how they scored in this game. Yeah, and look, the, the Taves play you described too, where he put a nice pass to Kane, a great scoring chance, required a great save from Scott Darling. Look, if you want to get it to Kane, shoot at the pads. Yeah. And and play for rebound, right? Yep. Kane was going at the net hard. There's one defender with two skaters going towards your typical two-on-one. And you're right, the defender chose Kane. He went to Kane's side. Yep. Taves had a wide open look. And yes, the goalie had a wide open look at Taves too. Sure. But you're one of the you're probably going to the hockey hall of fame. You're one of the better scorers in the game. Yeah. Take your shot. And it's not like Scott Darling is the world's best rebound controller either. We know that. I mean, all that had to do was the puck had to pop out a little bit, and he wouldn't have been able to get back to it before Kane would have pounced on it because Kane is one of those guys. You give him a sliver of the puck in that kind of a situation, he's got the hands to put it home easily. Like that, I felt like the right play there would have been for Taves to shoot that puck. I just – when you're at this point, when you're struggling to score, when you're struggling to win, I think simplicity is the best thing. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. Take shots when they present themselves. And you're going to have, you know, the more look, it's simple math. The more shots on goal you take, the higher chances you're going to have of scoring. Right. Like, yeah, eventually a puck's going to go in that, that goes that advances towards the goalie. They just opt so often to not take that shot. And like I said. It's not Cahoon and Camp and Yokoharu and you know it's not those young players you expect to let you down that are letting yep. you down. It's Keith, it's Seabrook, it's Anisimov, it's these veteran players uh, even like I don't want to say Jonathan Taves is like letting you down but look, he made a bad decision, right? Yeah. He should have shot the puck. There were a couple of opportunities you could it's just when the vets are letting you down that's that's the most frustrating thing cuz you knew there were going to be growing pains this year. You knew you are going to have some kids making those rookie mistakes, and you can live with those. But when it's Seabrook and Keith and those guys making the mistakes, it's so hard to accept. God, and it's like those things are quibbles compared to the just blatantly dumb mistakes that are being made with the puck at times. On pa- blind passes to the middle of the ice, Jan Ruda had another one tonight where he literally just flipped the puck to the middle of the blue line and was like, here you go, have a free breakaway. <laughs> it's just like... That that kind of like nonsensical, non-disciplined hockey cannot happen when you've lost seven freaking games in a row. That's just that's not acceptable. Like if I'm Jeremy Colladin, and I, you know me, I'm never like a big like that guy should never see the light of day again kind of thing. No, you're not. Jan Ruda should not be on the ice next game. That kind of crap has to stop. There has to be a way for them to go. Hey, dude. You are killing this team right now with these kinds of mistakes. Get lost. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'd rather see Brandon Manning out there than Jan Ruder right now. And Brandon Manning's been a train wreck. I, I don't even know what is beyond train wreck to describe Jan Ruda. Plane wreck. His play his play's just been bad, man. I like I as soon as he had that one good month. Everything just went downhill, and then they signed him to the contract, and then it's like the bottom even fell out of that. Yeah. It's it's nuts, man. It's a problem, and Forsling and Murphy cannot get back soon enough. Um, good question about Manning or Ruda. I feel like at least Manning is not going to take the dumb chances Ruda takes. I think yeah. Manning is more self-aware. <laughs> like Oof. He knows he's not great and knows he's not capable of uh, of some of the things that, that Ruda thinks he is. Mm-hmm. So he'll, he'll more often than not make the safe play. He might fail, yeah. might get beat, you know, might not take the best angle, whatever. But at least he's not going to just do something stupid that's going to hurt you. Right. I don't know, man. The the D is, is not good. We knew that. Um, and that's another reason where we go to the – keeping it more simple 
getting the puck on net offensively. Because if you know you're going to give up a lot of goals, you're going to have to score a lot of goals. And if you're passing up scoring opportunities, you're passing up chances to add to your goal total. It's very simple. <laughs> what we're explaining here is not complicated. No. And I'm sure Jeremy Cowden is saying the same things. And, yep. and while we wrap this up, the postgame part of this podcast, and we look more big picture next segment, um, we're going to get into Jeremy Cowden, into his methods, and uh, just sort of look ahead here as as the system grows. And, and just through three games, he's 0-3, um, but we've seen some positive signs too. So it's not yeah. just going to be an hour of us bitching and moaning. It's going to be some positive stuff as well. No, and in fact, I do have other. Po- I do have a few positive things to say about the game we should talk about after the break. Yeah. I also do want to talk about – I got a chance to walk, watch the Rockford Ice Hogs on Saturday night. They played the Chicago Wolves, so they were on TV. I saw stuff there that was uh, that made me optimistic. We want to talk about that, too. All right, let's do that before then. Let's tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. You know, that's the place to go if you need an NHL, MLB, NFL, whatever jersey. But they're also the place to go if your team needs outfitting. So give Chris a call, 708-478-6090, or send him an email at chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be back with some positivity on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price, just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroYTMobile.com. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions. And a butter bagel, too? Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, where we're actually in the same room. And it's a little, still a little bit different, because usually I'm like talking to a computer screen or to a TV or the cat <laughs> or whatever. But you're here in person, and I can reach out and touch you. It's Ooh, wonderful. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to give uh, Jay a hug earlier when Tavo Teravainen scored a power play goal. <sighs> that yeah. was rough. That yeah, was it rough. was. Jay, Jay, I felt the uh, the conf- the conflictedness. It's not a word, but I don't care. I was not conflicted. <laughs> now that Quenville's gone, I don't wish Tavo to destroy the Hawks anymore. Because mm. that was... Uh, you know that was that that to me was Q or uh, orchestrated. Yeah, Q Q's guys are like Kempney and Tara Vinen and Trevor Daly, and it's like it's like a veritable army of guys. But you know what? We're not here right now to talk about negative stuff, Jay. We did want to bring up a couple of positive things about the game, and I think we need to start with the new line combinations that Jeremy Colladin put together. I thought the Schmaltz Taves Kane line. For the criticisms we've had of them, mm-hmm. I thought they were pretty solid tonight. I liked the way that looked. It wasn't a horror show defensively or anything like that, so I thought that was good. Well, yeah, and, and for all the criticism we have of Schmaltz tonight, he was getting those pa- those opportunities yeah. to pass up, mm-hmm. and he was way more noticeable tonight than he's been all year. Every time I looked up, it felt like number eight had the puck, which is a good thing. He's a talented guy. He's just got to change that mindset and become more aggressive and I think Jeremy Cowton, just knowing what, what we know about him so far, is he encourages aggressiveness. He wants guys to take chances and, and try to score. Hopefully, eventually, that starts to translate to Schmaltz and maybe playing with those guys, getting him the puck more. That will obviously – he's the third option on that line, so he should get some more space that way as well because people are going to be more worried about Kane and then Taves and then him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should free up some ice for him. So after one game so far, so good for the top line. They got a goal. Jonathan Taves scored in the first period, his ninth of the season. So um, I liked what I saw there. And you, I know you want to mention the uh, Camp Cahoon and DeBrinket line, yeah. which to me coming into this game was the one that like didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, it was kind of scratching your head like, hmm, I wonder how that's going to look. Yeah, but I, I was actually in a discussion with a guy I've known for a long time. I've been going to Hawks games with him since before the Hawks were relevant. 
uh, Full Metal Ninja is his name on on Twitter. Nice. And what we were talking about was actually Patrick Kane and how we thought. I sort of had a thought Saturday that I think Patrick Kane can be difficult to play with if you're a line mate. It's got to be a challenge because he's so creative, he's so um, improvisational in his skating that you have to be ready for anything. Mm-hmm. And I think this is not a criticism by any means. I just think. As a line mate, it could be an adjustment to play with a guy like Kane because there is no real system. It's he has the puck, and then it's like, go. Like, weave your symphony of moves and deeks and everything, and just the other two forwards, just be ready. Yeah. Okay? And what, what uh, his name's Dustin. What Dustin was saying is that what, so it, with that in mind, the best thing for Kane is to have, like, two, not pluggers, but two guys that'll go do the dirty work for him. And that's what DeBrinkett had tonight. He had Camp and he had Cahoon. Two guys that are willing to play that north-south game, free up some space for him, go into corners, get the puck. And we saw him as the beneficiary, the goal he scored, Cahoon and Camp doing the work in front of the net. Camp steals the puck. I, uh, I think he gets a shot on goal. Camp, uh, Cahoon gets a rebound, puts it between his legs, and DeBrinkett yep. just has to put the puck in the net. Those little things, that, that's what makes lines work. And I think we saw as, as little faith as I had in that line actually working out and sticking together. I liked what I saw from it tonight. It's one game, mm-hmm. but I like what I saw, and I see what Cowden was thinking when he put that together. I definitely can. I think Patrick Kane can thrive with basically any type of player. I mean, the, the first thing I thought of when you said it was almost better for him to kind of have moderately skilled pluggers with him, I thought of Artemi Panarin instantly. I was like, I feel like Patrick Kane had his best career success with Artemi Panarin. But then I thought about guys like Michael Hanzus and Brad Richards and Dave Bolin and other guys like that that he's played with and still been good. And I was like, all right, I can see that. I mean, I I get what you're saying, though. Like, it's hard to play with a guy that, like, is capable of freelancing to that degree. And it's not to the detriment of the team that he does it. No, Because it really – it helps make your offense a lot less predictable to have a guy that's able to do that kind of stuff. I like that idea of having Alex DeBrincat be that type of guy. Been struggling lately. I think he it said he had, what, like one point in his last eight games yeah, going into tonight, him. I think. And, <laughs> yes, Jay, we will try to get your curse onto somebody else. We'll see how that goes yeah. uh, later in the show. That's but. what I get. I said, uh, Alex DeBrincat, boy, he's really gotten to the point in his career where you can rely on him to perform in every game. Womp, womp. <laughs> um, but back to like kind of the more positive parts of this, just to kind of keep the conversation going. Yeah, I thought the the combination of Camp with Cahoon and Debrinkin, I thought worked really well. I like the way their skill sets kind of complement one another. I was worried about Debrinkin maybe getting buried a little bit in the lineup. We had a few people on Twitter uh, comment on that that we'd be burying Q if he had put uh, Debrinkin on the third line in a game. That line kind of functioned as like the de facto second line tonight, though. Like that, yeah. I feel like that's a very fluid designation, whether it was the second or third. There was a clear line one tonight with Schmaltz, Taves, and Kane. Those other two lines, the Anisimov and Camp lines, I feel like you can basically say either one of them is like 2A and 2B. Well, and that was the line on the ice as the game was ending, is you had Camp and Debrinkit and Cahoon. And I, I think when, I think fans got to keep this in mind. When, the media or whoever tweets out the lines, what they're doing is it's based on center. Yes. So whoever is the most accomplished of the centers, that's how you rank the lines. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think Anisimov got the leg up over Kampf. But clearly the line with the Brinkett and Cahoon is better yeah. than the other one. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I don't I, – I'm not going to get all fired up about this. I think for the most part – since Cowden has taken over, they've looked pretty good. They've not won. I know it's really it sounds ridiculous. They lost four nothing to the Flyers. Like it's not it, it's not off to a good start in the stat book. But there's been things on the ice that I've seen that look better that I think will work in the long term and that are encouraging me going forward. And um, like I said to start the podcast, none of that really matters unless you start seeing some results in the win column. Yeah. But there's nothing I've seen from Cowden strategically that makes me think, oh God. This is, you know, hockey Mark Trussman. <laughs> or this is a huge stretch to hire yeah. this guy. I, I think it'll be better when he's able to more fully implement his system, and I think you'll see that going on this year, kind of slowly building it up, and then next season when he has, like, an entire off season and a training camp to really install his vision for the team and to start to get more players that kind of 
fit his mindset. I think we'll we'll see a lot more of the real Jeremy Colladin, so to speak. We talked a lot on this podcast about veterans that have been kind of letting the Blackhawks down. We do need to talk about a veteran who did not let them down tonight and who, quite frankly, has been playing a lot better in his action lately. Cam Ward made some great saves tonight. He looked really good. Totally got left out to dry on this goal by Sebastian Ajo, but I mean, that guy made some killer saves tonight and really kept the Blackhawks in the game in that third period when that last 20 minutes Carolina kind of flipped the switch. Yeah, he. I mean, everything you want from your backup is like, it's just to keep you in the game, and I think he's doing that and more. Um, of course, the season started bad for him. His first handful of games when Corey Crawford was hurt were not good. I think since Crawford's come back, and actually a little bit before that, you start to see Cam Ward turn the corner, play a little bit better. Like you said, there were some insane saves tonight. There were also a couple instances where he got very lucky the puck didn't end up behind him. But the, again, Jan Ruda, instead of blocking the shot, puts a stick in the lane. Yep. That gets deflected, bounces, and almost goes in. Oh, my good Lord, yeah. Um, But <laughs> overall, you have to be – look, I know a lot of people are pissed off about the Cam Ward thing. I get it. But you got to be fair. You've got to be objective. And he's been, as you would hope, a backup goalie would be. He's honestly earning his keep, man. I mean, yeah. that's really all you can say. Like, what did you reasonably expect from Cam Ward for $3 million in one year? Less than that. Well, uh, the $3 million is one thing. Yeah. But I, I'd expect about what he's doing right now. At least I expect keeping less them than in, what he's doing. Keeping them in games. Like, giving them a chance to win. I'll take that for $3 million bucks. That's... On the list of Blackhawks problems, it's I feel one. like that's it's descending very quickly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have no real, like, when I saw Cam Ward starting today, I, I, I didn't feel badly about it. I didn't nah. feel like, oh, boy. Totally got be, it. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, there, there are some positives. I, I'm curious to sort of take the temperature of our listeners. Uh, MadhousePod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, at Madhouse Pod, if you ever want to get to us. Um, by the way, this is a good time to mention. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we are two weeks out from our charity event at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. That is our puck cancer fundraiser for my friend Garcia, whose wife uh, passed away after a, a brief but brutal battle with cancer in May. Um, so we're raising money for Andy, and we've already raised close to a thousand dollars in donations and ticket sales, but. We've got some tickets left, and we want you guys to join us out at this event. I know some people have been waiting to purchase their tickets. That's cool. That's standard. That's what we expected. Um, but this is getting close. We're two weeks out. Tickets are $10. Go to madhousepod.com slash events to purchase your tickets. Uh, so here's what we got for the raffle, the grand prize raffle. We have four Blackhawks tickets and a signed Stan Makita jersey. The, St- the Makita jersey, courtesy of Chris Hubble at Triple Threat Sports. We have a pair of Blackhawks club-level tickets against the Montreal Canadiens, courtesy of my friend from high school, Brian Wazalewski. My Uncle John has pledged two White Sox scout seats to the game of your choice for next season. That is like third row behind home plate. Can we go to a Cubs game? Uh, the Cubs have not yet sent what they're sending. They said they're going to. No, I meant I like to a White Sox-Cubs game. I would assume that maybe that one would be not available. How dare you? But we will see. We will see. <laughs> Um, so that's, those are things from our friends. We also have the Blackhawks giving us tickets. The Bulls sent out an autographed basketball signed by the entire team. That's pretty rad. Very cool. I opened it up a certificate of authenticity. Very, very cool item. We've got the, um, um, what am I forgetting? The copies of NHL 19 available, two copies for Xbox one, two copies for PS4. We have the Mitchell Trubisky signed hat. The Kyle Fuller signed mini helmet. Yes. So if you go to this event, there's a very good chance you're going to win something. We're rounding up some other prizes, some tours of 670 The Score. Uh, we're going to have some Madhouse Podcast prize packs. Literally, you've got a terrific chance to leave the event with something. So go to madhousepod.com slash events. Join us at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. Uh, it is my favorite new place in Homewood. If you are a craft beer fan, if you like to try... Uh, they describe it as mythological. You hear me say it before and during every podcast. They really are the the true spirit of craft brewers. They're I I, I describe them as sorcerers or magicians. They're they're uh, always coming up with these ideas that are 
unique and experimental, and they almost always work out. And if they don't, they fix it until it does. Tobias is the uh, lead brewmaster there. His wife, Ray, uh, they run the place together. Absolutely outstanding place. Cool uh, tap room to drink in uh, with chalkboard walls. Like uh, uh, The artwork in there is, is made for Rabid. They had it commissioned. It all looks great. It's a great place to hang out. There's always something fun going on there. Uh, there's beer yoga on weekends. There's so much to do at Rabbit Brewing. Uh, but my favorite beer there is the Chocolate Blood Orange Wheat. That's the Hemogoblin. Uh, but they've got the Juicy IPAs, the Russian Imperial Stout. Um, but you just got to go. It's an experience in itself. So join us at Rabbit Brewing Tuesday, November 27th, or just go out there when you can. Uh, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland Legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. We'll be back with more frivolity on the Manhattan <laughs> Chicago Hockey Podcast. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. Welcome back into the frivolity and fun of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are coming to you live from snowy Bourbon, Illinois, in a very festive holiday apartment. <laughs> we have been talking about the Blackhawks for the most part, dug into a lot of kind of what's been good, what's been bad, what's been interesting about the Jeremy Colladin era. Hopefully we've given you a wide berth of knowledge about this team, but now... Let's talk a little bit of minor league hockey. We're not going to get too far into it because I don't know about you, Jay. I'm not exactly an AHL expert, but I did watch the Wolves and Ice Hogs play in the first game of the Illinois Lottery Cup on Saturday, and I will tell you, it actually was pretty dang fun. Watching the Rockford Ice Hogs play hockey was actually really entertaining after kind of a lackluster Blackhawks game on Saturday. They did this thing where they moved the puck on the power play. What? Found an open lane, shot, and scored. It was remarkable watching it. And before I – I'm not going to lay the sarcasm on too thick, but (laughs) more importantly – I'm swimming in syrup right now. (laughs) More importantly than the sarcasm (laughs) is the guys that were doing a lot of the puck moving and a lot of the scoring for Rockford – It was guys like Gustav Forsling, who's currently working through an AHL conditioning stint, and I hope to God, based on the way that he played in that game, I hope he's up soon because he really does look good. He looks like he's getting pretty close to being ready. I'm excited to see if he can maybe make a step forward in his development this year. I also really liked what I saw to Dylan Sakura that night too, and I'm hoping he eventually starts to get a shot because I don't know how much more of the – Chris Kunitz and Luke Johnson and sorry, I almost fell asleep. How much more of that I can take? There's just so many people on this team that are just guys, just guys like Andreas Martinson. Yeah, I like him. He's physical. He had, big. A, he had a solid game tonight. He had like five sure. hits, I think, like He's three fine. shots on goal. Fine. In three years, when we think back to this team, we're like, what was that guy's name? <laughs> kind of big guy. Yeah, like uh, vaguely ethnic. Like, what was that guy's name? I can't remember. <laughs> you know, like, well, I can't think of him. Yeah. And, like, I kind of like, is David Camp a guy like that? Like, the, remember we talked about Tyler Mott yep. a couple weeks ago? Like, there's always these guys that are just, they're just guys. Tanner Caro. Philip Danalt. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's good now. Yeah, now he's good. He was solid before. Now he's real. Okay, how about Thomas Yurko? Oh, God. <laughs> The Thomas Yurko is the uh, David Runblad of Sam Bowman projects. Like, okay, let's keep trying this. <laughs> Worst. It's not gonna work. <laughs> the David Runblad trade remains what I think was Stan Bowman's worst trade ever, and it was only a second round pick. But God, was it stupid. He was very handsome, though. You have to give him uh, that. I don't have to give him anything. He would just give it back away. No, that's. <laughs> 
That's true. <laughs> anyway, we're not we're not trying to get too negative here. I wanted to try to focus on the yes. fact that a lot of guys that I saw down in Rockford, it was actually really entertaining watching them play. And I would strongly urge anybody who has the chance to either go see them play or to watch them play on TV or streaming, definitely do it because I feel like they they're building something good down there and there is some good young talent and I hope that guys like Sakura and Forsling get called up soon. I it's time. I, I I'm ready to see Forsling now. Um, yeah, like Brandon Davidson, like, uh, you're just a he played, guy. He had like three or four shifts in the third period yeah. tonight. He clearly is not a long-term solution. He's basically this year's version of why am I blanking on the defenseman they signed last season? Franzen, Cody Franzen. Oh, right. Good right, Lord. Right. I could not believe that just went right out of my head. Boy, but at least Franzen had like some sort of track record of success too. Accurate. And, yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, Brandon Manning's not going anywhere because he's got a two-year deal. Um, so you're looking at Forsling's coming up. It's going to be for <laughs> Luke Johnson. That was James hitting himself in the head with a microphone, if you were wondering. It's going to be for Luke Johnson or Brandon Davidson, and uh, I'm ready. Let's do it. As, as soon as he feels he's got the conditioning to play 13, 14 minutes tonight, I am all in. Yep. Uh, I want to see what Forsling can bring. Remember, just two years ago, he was like the Hawks' top prospect, and they were calling him the next Nick Lidstrom and crap like that. I think Nick Jalmerson, but uh, yeah, that's fair. I thought a, I thought I had heard Nick Lidstrom. No, with them. Forsling was the next Nick Lidstrom, uh, and no, Forsling was the next Nick Jalmerson, and Nick Jalmerson was the next Nick Lidstrom. There we go. And hey, he ended up having a pretty dang good career. Love Nick Jalmerson. Yeah, man. I will never. Fi- I, I will never him. stop loving him. Like I think that's a guy who, a lot of us, while he was here. Everybody appreciated him. Everyone knew how great he was. Yeah. But I don't think we realized the value he had to this team. the summer of 2010, when Stan Bowman decided to match the offer sheet on Jalmerson and let Antti Niemi walk. Talk about a franchise-altering decision. That really helped them to win two more cups, them deciding to do that instead of letting Jalmerson walk and seeing what they could get out of Niemi. I feel like that... That worked out so beautifully. Kudos to Bowman for that one. That fairly obvious in hindsight. You always want to stick with kind of the like really good defenseman over a goaltender who had one good playoff, but that could have turned out a lot differently, and they made the right move there. Uh, one more thing I want to bring up before we uh, get to our email of the show. Um, we took some beef for this uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about how Eddie O and Foley were kind of not – it was more Foley than Eddie – to be truthful with you. Um, but Eddie went viral this weekend. A li- well, as viral as a hockey video can go. Yeah. Um, with his criticism of the Hawks power play. The criticism was valid. Okay. Um, you know, fine. You want to say that? Fine. But his guy, Joel Quenville, was the head coach of a team that has had one of the worst power plays in hockey over the last 10 years. That's the one thing that whoever Quenville brought in as his assistant or himself could just not figure out how to fix with this team. So to go on a rant two games into Jeremy Cowton's tenure as the head coach to me was a little ridiculous and a little bit um, I want, I, transparent is probably the word I want to say. Look, and I get it. Eddie O is an old school guy. He knows Quenville. They've been around each other forever. That's his guy. I know Pat Foley is going to be the last guy to embrace the young, yeah. intellectual, uh, you know, uh, analytics-minded head coach when the old-school guy with the skins on a wall gets let go. I get that. But I expect from broadcasters to give the new head coach a fair shot and to be honest in your analysis of it. And I don't feel like I've gotten that so far. And that, that kind of bugs me. And... And Sam Fells wrote it. Uh, if you don't follow Faxes from Uncle, from Uncle Dale, you have to. I think. Don't tell me what I have to do. This, I think they're the collectively the smartest group of hockey people in the city, um, as far as knowledge goes, as far as humor goes, as far as writing goes. I, I love everything they do there. And uh, and and Sam said, Sam Fells said, the sign of a great broadcaster is how they do a game when the team is losing or bad, and. What I saw from Foley and Eddie, even before Quenville got let go, was this this per, this idea of like annoyed by what they're seeing, 
And if the broadcasters are going to tell me what I'm watching is bad, why am I going to watch? Yeah, why am I going to tune into that? Why? Like, I'm not feel. No Hawks fans are feeling great about what happened to Joel Quenville. Even if you thought it was time to make a move, like I did, like I think you did, a lot of people thought it was probably time to make a move from Q. No one liked the way it went down. No one's happy that it's over, mm. right? To put fans where you want them to be, to me, it feels a little bit unfair. I think that I'd like them to give a little more of a fair shake to Cowden. and I don't feel like they've done it. And I think that goes for fans, too. I think that a lot of fans are blaming Cowden for the firing. Look, he's coaching in Rockford. He had no say on whether Joel Quenville was fired or not. Yep. If you were Jeremy Cowden, would you not take the job? Of course. Of course you would. And it's not, you know what? If he said no, they still would have fired Joel. Right. They would have found someone else to do it. Be open. All I'm saying is... Just because you're pissed about Joel Quenville being fired doesn't mean you can't give Jeremy Cowden a fair shake. And and that's to everybody, to everybody. Uh, this was the guy the Hawks identified as an ex-head coach. We said it a couple podcasts ago, be it when he was hired or two years from now, if Joel Quenville had a good run, this was their guy. Yep. He's the guy now. He's going to be here for a while. So instead of complaining every time something goes wrong, Give him a chance. Look for the positives. That's what James and I are doing. Uh, yeah, he's 0-3. There's no sugarcoating that. But there have been some positive signs. We're seeing some growth, and I'm optimistic about the future with Jeremy Cowden. Yeah, I feel like Eddie O, like a lot of that frustration, I don't know if it was necessarily just because like Joel had gotten let go and he kind of felt like freer, I guess, to kind of let loose a little bit. The frustration was at least accurate factually like they need to shoot the puck more but I would hope that where it was coming from and where it was aimed wasn't at what Jeremy Colladin is doing but rather what the team on the ice was doing because you can scream and yell at the players all you want like you need to do this and you need to do that the fact of the matter is it's those guys have to execute those guys have to perform and they haven't been doing it like, you want to get critical of somebody, get critical of the 20 guys that are on the ice, honestly. Like, I feel like aiming your ire at them makes a hell of a lot more sense than aiming it at the guy who got put into a really difficult situation replacing a legend in Chicago sporting circles, and he's three games into his career. I think that as long as your ire is going to be aimed at somebody, Aim it at those vets that are not producing right now, those guys who aren't executing properly. Don't aim it at the guy who just came on behind the bench and is still trying to find his way in the NHL. Right, and, and I'm glad you said, you know, it's not just not producing, it's underperforming. It's making mistakes. It's costing team, you know, costing the team the game. Like we saw Brent Seabrook in overtime today, and we saw Duncan Keith with a, bl with a blind pass that was assisted by a uh, bad defensive play by Artem Anisimov. Like, there's just these veteran players that make all this money and I'm not a, you know, we're not like you make $10 million. You need to be. No, nah, but look, man. these are the guys that are getting paid mm -hmm. to perform and they're not, they're simply not. So you want these veterans to ease the transition of the new coach, not to make it harder. And so far, that's what a lot of these guys have done. All right. Yeah. You know who will not let you down, James? Oh, please, 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 please tell me you're going to say Marishka. I am going to say Marishka. Oh, yes. I've been texting with Joe. So Joe is the Drolovich who runs Marishka's. Said, hey, I'm I'm working Friday night. You should come by. I'm like, all right, let me see what I can do. So like a jerk, I don't respond and say I'm coming or not coming. So Joe sends me a meme of like me waiting for you to show up, and it's like an old man sitting in a oh, chair. Oh God! I'm like, dude, I never said I was coming, but now I feel bad because I didn't say I wasn't coming. And he's like, no, it's fine. So I'll be coming to Marishka's this week. I'm going. I'm coming. I've got to get the liquor basket they've donated to our charity podcast. Do you like liquor? <laughs> Do you like? You guys like to drink? You're gonna if you're Hawks fans. You're gonna start. <laughs> madhousepod.com slash events come get the liquor basket for marishka's yep. anyway come win it um so marishka's family owned and operated since 1933 uh i say this a lot and i mean it it's a place you're proud to take your friends and your family it's a place you know they're going to leave satisfied and happy uh it's a place that is run with love and and tlc as they call it, as the kids say they don't say that anymore no they don't um but i love marishka's and it's a great place they are world famous for their poor boy sandwiches that's what you should try the first time you go. If you don't like beef, they got a chicken poor boy too. So 
Everyone's covered. Uh, but everything there is good. The burgers, the chops, the seafood. We talk about the Icelandic cod all the time. Even the salads are great. I'm not a big salad guy. I am a salad guy at Marishka's. The mac and cheese is creamy and cheesy and wonderful. Everything there is great. If you're a craft beer fan, they've got an awesome craft beer menu. And just, it's a beautiful place to go. So go out to Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. Check them out, marishkas.com or on facebook.com slash marishkas. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Are you mentally prepared for this, James? <laughs> I'm never mentally prepared for anything. That's correct. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck Southern Coverage Cafe. With locations in Burbank and Darien, visit chuckscafe.com. The best barbecue, the best Mexican, the best Cajun, the best bar food, everything at Chuck's is fantastic. Uh, my favorite is the Saturday special, the Cochinita Pabil. I had a friend go to Chuck's. My friend Alyssa went there last week, and she said, hey, um, I'm going to Chuck's for the first time. Can you recommend something? Everything. And I bombarded her with like 30 texts in a row. <laughs> oh, you got to have this. Oh, no, and it's Saturday. You got to have the coach you need to put bill. But don't forget, you've also got to have the cobbler because the cobbler is amazing. Oh, and make sure you try one of the soups because the soups are awesome. And make sure you don't miss the specials menu because the specials menu are the things Chuck really loves making. Blah, blah. She was like, oh, my God, shut up. Shut like, up. I, I just want... Shut up. You should host a podcast <laughs> about food. Right. She, well, I do that, too. But she's like. I, I could just read the menu after what all the information you gave me. But she went. She loved it. It was great. Go to Chuck's, Darien, Burbank, Chuck'sCafe.com for all their menu location items. Uh, but it's awesome. We love it. We love Chuck's. All right. Email of the show goes to Alex Keller, who reminds us to correctly talk about something in Blackhawks history. Oh, boy. He says, hello, Jay and James. In the aftermath of the Q firing, I've been doing a lot of reading. People continue to reference the sod for Panarin trade as a huge blemish on Stan's record. I think this is misleading and unfair. If you remember correctly, Taves was not performing up to his usual standard and clearly missed sod. Also, the financial flexibility of sod was a huge plus. In addition, all signs point to Panarin leaving Columbus after this year, and I don't think the Hawks would have resigned him. Am I right here, or am I approaching that topic incorrectly? All the things you stated, Alex, are correct. Uh, Panarin will not be back with Columbus. I think it will be a miracle if he is. Yep. He's going to make $9, $10 million in free agency, which barring the trade of a core member, the Blackhawks aren't going to be able to match. Yep. Um, remember, too, reports were that Blackhawks players campaigned for Saad to come back. Yep. Um, and at the time... The numbers were not so far apart statistically where it didn't make sense. I don't think anyone could have predicted that Brandon Sow would have struggled as mightily as he did last season. We're starting to see a bounce back lately, but now he's banged up. He's missed the last two God, games. God, that is sucked, by the way. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, so, you, yes, in hindsight, it probably wasn't – it probably didn't work out the way the Blackhawks planned it to. They knew they were trading the better player, mm -hmm. but there were a lot of other things to consider with it, right? It's not just like an NHL 19 trade where it's guy for guy and who makes your team better right away. Right. You also got Anton Forsberg, who was supposed to be your adequate backup last year as something that the team needed to address. And while he failed to be a starter, yeah, I think he's an adequate backup in the NHL. Sure. So hindsight being what it is, you probably wouldn't make that trade again, but there were a lot of circumstances that made it make a lot of sense at the time. So, Alex, for reminding us about that, you are the emailer of the show. Thank you for doing that. It was really nice of you. <laughs> Thank you for the emailing, yes. Yeah. Are you ready to wrap this one up? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. We want to thank everybody for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. And don't forget, we are two weeks out from our event Tuesday, November 27th, at Rabbit Brewing. We're going to watch the Blackhawks and Golden Knights 
and have a fundraiser, our Puck Cancer fundraiser for Andy Garcia and his family. Already $1,000 raised, hopefully a lot more to come, and some great prizes for you and your friends. Tickets are 10 bucks. Every ticket is an entry to the grand prize, which is four Hawks tickets and a signed Stan Makita jersey. So join us. Can't wait to see you at Rabid. MadhousePod.com slash events. And of course, MadhousePod.com is your home for everything Madhouse Podcast, including links to our Patreon and GoFundMe pages, links to our Threadless store, and of course, every episode we've done is right there, MadhousePod.com. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday night after the Hawks take on the St. Louis Blues. That's right, Dub Blues. Jeremy Colleton was waiting to get his first two points against the hated Blues, my friend. Can you believe they've already played them four freaking times? 400 times. Like, seriously, they have, like, not played any games against, like, the other teams in the division except St. Louis. Well, the Blues suck, so it kind of works out. Thank God. All right, we'll talk to you Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com.